Welcome, Digital Difference Makers. Today, we're going to have Kyle Gillette, a business coach. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to be here and looking forward to where this conversation goes because free-flowing conversations are always the most fun on podcasts. Yeah, 100%, man. Now, for the people that don't know you just yet, do you want to give a quick intro into who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Kyle Gillette. And uh, I run a business called Sage Mindset Coaching, and it's all about helping business owners shift their mindsets and habits so they can become the business owners they're meant to be. Uh, it has to do with systems, processes, but also the internal part of being the best leader that you can. I've been doing that for almost five years now, and I'm never turned back to any other type of work ever. This is, this is for me, this is my gifting, this is my sweet spot. And actually, before we dive in too far, I'm going to be publishing my book on Tuesday, next week, it's coming out. Sage Leadership, we've got some pre-sales going on, but that thing's coming out on Tuesday the 1st. So I'm super excited about it. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those places. So that's that's the big thing that's been happening in my life lately. Awesome, awesome. We'll make sure to um, put that in the show notes for people to be able to check it out. Um, and how'd you, how'd you get into that? How'd you get into business coaching and help people with their mindset and leadership? Yeah, I grew up on an orange farm in the Central Valley of California and learned farm work, what it is to work on a farm, blue collar work, that type of stuff, and realized that farming wasn't for me. Now, I don't mind hard work, but farming wasn't for me. It's too unpredictable, all those types of things. So I thought, well, maybe I'll jump into kinesiology, which is exercise science, which is physical therapy. Then realized that that doesn't pay you squat, and I wanted to make some money in my life. And so I went away from that. And got into just randomly got into a men's mentoring program. I'd gone to to um, India and met a guy named John there on the trip, and we both lived in the same area in in San Luis Obispo, California. And he called me right at the end of my my senior year of college. And he said, "Hey, man, there's this job opportunity at this men's mentoring program." And I said, "Okay, cool," because I was completely lost and didn't have any clue what I was going to do with myself at that time. I knew it wasn't going to be farming or physical therapy, but he called me up and I said, well, let me, let me check it out. So he told me about it and I went to the job interview and it's on this 20 acre ranch, rolling hills, with a bunch of dogs. Cause they, they helped um, house dogs or board dogs and do daycare with them. Pull onto the property. It's this perfect idyllic setting with green grass and American flag and farmhouse, all this just perfect. And I knock on the door and the guys welcome me in Two two guys are interviewing me An hour and a half later, they offer me the job. What that meant was I was going to live on the property with these guys that are 18 to 25 year olds and they're lost in life. They have no idea what they're going to do, but I'm responsible to look over these guys and help them get their lives under control. My life is lost, but I said, yes. And that changed everything for me because for the next nine years, I had various roles in the organization, but I was mentored the whole time by a serial entrepreneur that had run 30 businesses and the vast majority of them were very successful. So retired in his early fifties and started this program. That was my mentoring background that really did wonders for me becoming a business owner, for me becoming the man that I am. So that's a little bit more of the background of how we got to where we are. I suppose with getting that practice with mentoring, that would translate fairly well across the business coaching. Because I mean, I've seen a lot of people that are extremely good at what they do, um, or what they've done in the past. But bringing that across into a coaching role and supporting people is a bit different. It's not as easy as just sort of telling 
people what to do and they'll go do it you know so i suppose out of that experience what what did you sort of find is something that was a real breakthrough in like oh like this is how i should mentor people that like rather than i suppose that just tell them what to do yeah, 100%. Because my coaching isn't telling you what to do. My coaching is drawing it out of you with mindsets and habits and all that. But in that program, the guys had to create something called a life map. And a life map is a three-phase process that walks you all through the key areas of life to determine where you want to go. How, uh, what? Sorry, where are you, where you want to go and how you're going to get there? Those are the three questions that we ask in all these key areas of life. Well, after I left that program, it dawned on me, that's exactly what business owners need. That's exactly what people just in general in life need is to answer those three questions. Where am I? Where do I want to go? And how am I going to get there? And so everything that I did in that program really translated directly over into business coaching because it, it not, it's not about the systems and processes. We need those and I coach on those things, but those are easy in comparison to the mindset stuff and the habit stuff, the, the stuff that we get stuck on in our, in our own minds and, and that kind of break us down and we get frustrated. I mean, I just spent an hour with a client where he was just frustrated because he was overwhelmed with all the work that he needs to do, but he's not doing anything, but he feels like worthless because he's not doing anything, but his business is doing really well. And so his mind is just a complete jumble. That has nothing to do with systems and processes in that moment. It has everything to do with his mind. And what's going yeah. on with him and the coaching was actually about him needing to get more physical and do more working out to get himself the right energy get to the right place and then also for him to take a freaking break like take a day go to the mountains for a day and just take a break systems and processes don't fix that but coaching doing the mindsets and habits and going where am i well, I'm not in a good place in my head right now. Well, where do I, where do I want to go? I want to get to a better place. Well, how am I going to get there? I'm going to go take a day off and be alone in a cabin and just reset. And that three question process completely shifted things for me when I recognized that it can be applied to the business world. Because that's what people need. They, they need that type of stuff more than they need the, the practical things. And why do you think that is? business owners are on islands. They, they live on islands often and they, they think that they're doing it alone. We talk about in, in corporations where there's silos. Well, a business owner themselves is typically a silo if they're not careful. And coaching and this type of stuff will help you to stop being on a silo and have that, realize that there's a bunch of other people that are dealing with similar things and you can create some accountability with them and, and surround yourself with people that are similar in their thinking or maybe different in their thinking. And that fixes that issue. That fixes that siloing that we do in our own minds as business owners. Particularly, I think with how coaching is now, like a lot of people do it completely online. You know, so the business is completely run, run at home. Um, so it's very easy to feel isolated and, and feel like because you're not around staff you're not around like clients there's particularly with coaches as well i think there's almost like a um yeah co coaches anyway i think particularly feel like they can't share certain things as well and even to that extent other entrepreneurs i think kind of hide things that aren't going well because they think that if they show 
that for some parts they aren't as successful as they want people to think, then it's going to re- it's going to ruin their reputation and can, they'll be, you know, no one will take them seriously. So I suppose how much of that part of it do you deal with? Like when you're working with business owner to kind of break down that wall, that barrier that they might have, that's kind of like, I can't let anyone know that I'm, you know, not super, super successful. Yep. Yeah, you know, the, there's this interesting wall that that I noticed pretty quickly with some of my clients, not all of them, but some of them, and I had to call them on it. You know, they, they start talking about their business as it's as if it's all rainbows and butterflies. And it's like, it, it's not, neither is mine. My business is not all rainbows and butterflies. Like I'm working too much right now. And that's frustrating to me. I need to figure out how to work less. That's a, that's a problem. And in content that I put out there, I talk about creating that space, block scheduling, Pomodoros and very practical things like that. And I'm not doing that because I'm so freaking busy. Well, that's my fault, but I'm not afraid to admit it. And mm. as I get deeper into relationships with my clients and, and usually within the first couple of weeks, this happens, I recognize where they're not being fully, how do you put it? Open or uh, honest <laughs> about whatever's going on. And then I pointed out, I'm like, you're actually not doing as well financially as you say you are. You're like, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. Well, your bottom line is you're only making $40,000 that you're taking home. That's a problem. You know, I don't care if you make $5 million in revenue, but you're only taking $40,000 home. That's a problem. I had a client like that. He was getting very close to a million dollars in revenue, but he was paying himself like $40,000 because his systems and his, the people and all that stuff was all screwed up. And then we, he got vulnerable with me about that and started sharing. And that opened the door to new opportunities for him because he realized, oh, I need to pay myself first. And he started to do that. And now he's made the most money he's ever made personally. And the business has grown faster than it's ever grown before because he got vulnerable with me and I held him accountable. And that's, that's where coaching is hugely impactful, but also just having other people that you're willing to share with is, is hugely impactful. And I, and I talk a lot about that because the, SAGE is an acronym and the A in SAGE stands for accountability. And so it's a big pillar of what makes someone successful in their business is having that accountability in place. It's interesting that you talk about overworking and I think people would almost expect a business coach or a mindset coach or, you know, a, a digital marketing coach. Like I think there's, anyone that's showing anyone else around business, it, it, you almost have, people expect it to be like completely the same, but like business is always going to be, you should be getting to a point where it's completely level and there's never any mm-hmm. imbalances. And it's kind of like, you can have something like that. But I think if you're, if you're really trying to consistently grow the business and test out new things, there's going to be some weeks where you work overtime there's going to be some weeks where you get to take off you know so it's it's not like yeah i i i think it's um trying to strive for complete balance and never having these ups and downs ever it's sort of like but being better able to cope with that and recognize when it's like you're doing it too much because you, know, you don't want to yeah. go in 60 hours a week every week. But once, you know, a quarter, 
or once every couple of months or something like that, it's not the end of the world. Like no one, yeah, it's not an indication that stuff's going badly. It just might mean that you've got a lot going on that you really want to work on. So I suppose like how, what do you talk about with clients in terms of balance, like yeah. that work-life balance? One of, the, one of the first things that I help people recognize is it's more of a, of a rhythm. Right? This business has rhythms to it. Uh, it's not very predictable, but there is rhythm. And if you can figure out what your rhythm is and embrace that and use it, it's really helpful. I, I'm working with this lady that runs a nonprofit and she runs a speaking business. And the nonprofit is just exploding right now. Everybody wants what they do because they're going into schools and helping people uh, to understand sex trafficking. And so they come into schools and they, and they teach about that. And they do it actually in a humorous way, which seems super antithetical, but that's what they do. And it, it engages people and helps them to remember. And the curriculum's great. And so people really want them, but she's super busy. And so we had a conversation about rhythm and that actually her work life has a rhythm to it. And when she recognized that, it relaxed her. She went, oh, well, these weeks when I'm traveling, I'm going to be super busy. Bless you. He's sneezing. So I have to, <laughs> I have to say bless you. I'm trying. I turn it off mute so we won't be able to hear it. But That's yeah, yeah. four sneezes, man. <laughs> What's going on? Um, so when she recognized that, it, it allowed her to be okay with the craziness of it. But when, when it comes to balance, I actually have a whole course on balance and I love acronyms. So balance for me is a, is a seven letter acronym and I won't, it's too many letters to talk about all of them, but one of the things that I talk about in there, the primary focus is my balance is not your balance and my balance is not your listener's balance. It's different. But when you apply those seven pieces to it, which some of them are like, uh, obviously you got accountability, then you have the things you never want to do and the things you're, you have never done before. There's the environments you're in, those types of things. But you've got to create the balance that you want. But the key is to pay attention to it be in tune with the balance that you have, because often it's easy to get lost and, and not realize that we're out of whack. We're really exhausted and we're way out of tune or out of balance. And then that's when trouble happens. That's when you make dumb decisions in business. That's when you, when you hire the wrong person because you're not trusting your intuition enough because you just need someone to take up time because you're doing too much. And that's when you're out of whack and that really screws you over, right? So, so you can be out of balance, but just as long as you're in tune with the fact that you're out of balance, you can survive it. And it's a rhythm because that'll fade away eventually. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I feel like we, um, people feel like they need the same morning routine as like the person they look up to or, you know, I think, there's guys like Alex Hormozzi who can work six days a week, wake up, get started in work right away. Um, you know, Sam Ovens will have has an assistant to go do everything else in life for him so that he can just work and he'll have a haircut every six months and the person will come to the house to do it. Like that's that's not for everyone like you know what works i completely agree what works for someone else isn't always shouldn't be the formula for you um and it is i do find it interesting when you're talking about what we're comfortable and like getting someone else in to start doing stuff and you know because we work with a lot of coaches we 
a lot of them will talk about what feels in alignment and flow. And we have to kind of, sometimes it's like calling that out a little bit and talking about like where that becomes an excuse for an uncomfortable activity, you know? So like sales calls for a majority of people who have never done sales is going to be uncomfortable and feel like the hardest thing to get over because of a lot of, you know, stuff in our past, right? So I think it's interesting when some people choose to try and avoid that and push it away and look at how someone else can do it for them because it's, but it's the most important task in the business. So it's yep. also like you, you have to become good at that. That one's not something that you can kind of go right. like, right. Uh, it's, it's out of alignment and I don't like, I, I, I need to be a good business owner and choose to delegate or outsource. It's like, that's not how that one works. <laughs> that one's different to admin and the like stuff that doesn't matter. So I suppose, how do you sometimes, because you probably have some, people that would come to you and maybe have this story, this justification of why they're doing something the way they do it. It feels right. How do you, how do you go about calling them out on that or like making them aware that, Hey, is it really that, or is it actually this? Yeah. That a lot of times there's a, there's a term for this in neuroscience. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's those absolute statements where it's like, it's always or never. And that's also why we get in arguments with significant others. It's when we say those always and never type things. But when someone does that with me, that's, a, that's a, a sign or a trigger or whatever for my brain. And I, and I immediately start to go, is that true? And then I'll ask them, is that a hundred percent true? And then they, they know that it's not. They know that it's not always or never that way, or they can't do something, or they never will do something. And you ask them, is that true? Is that always true? And that helps them to just take a step back and think about their thinking. Because my work with my clients is to get them thinking about their thinking. We do, we do other things, practical things and everything, but if you can't get people to think about their thinking in yourself, first of all, and then the people that, that are, you're working with, you're not going to get the results that you want. And so my job is to get them thinking about their thinking. Why do I think I could never do sales calls? What's behind that? I don't like the why question, but what's behind this, this fear that you have about sales calls? Well, because of X, Y, Z, when I was younger, this happened. And you're like, okay, well, you're not younger anymore. <laughs> now, what do you want to think about sales calls? Because that's the type of thing that is preventing them from taking themselves and then their business to the next level. So. Um, there's little trigger words, trigger, excuse me, trigger words that jump out to me. And then I just take them head on often. Uh, productivity is another topic that people are like, I can't get productive or I need to be more productive. And that's actually not the problem. They just don't want to do the things that they need to do, or they have a broken system about it. You know, that's, that's the real problem. But if you just believe them, then you're not, then I'm not helping them. And I need to help them discover, no, actually you are very productive. You're just not motivated today. And let's talk about what's, what's behind this pattern of you not being motivated. And that fixes the productivity problem, not check your email three times a day. That's yeah. fine. That could be helpful. But in the long run, that doesn't solve the, the real problem, which is a motivation problem. Yeah, yeah. And even, I suppose, prioritization. Yeah. Like, I, I like hey, talking about the awareness there. I mean, I remember when a client a long time ago, we ran... It, 
week to week that was kind of like uh, didn't seem very congruent with like the things that were said that were being done with like how much was actually being done. Um, and we did like a time audit and the next week it was like, like, oh, wow, I added this up. I'm actually only doing like 10 hours a week. And every week was kind of like, yeah, I, I just need to figure out how to do like these things better. Um, I need to like, you know, I need to do more of these things. And it was like more of the things that don't move the needle. And it was like, do the things better that we're just not even doing enough of to see a result or even make changes to really improve it. So it was, I do find it interesting when like, you know, any sort of coaching, whether it's business or whether it's mindset, it's like there, there's a level of like just getting people to be more aware, right? Yep. Like getting them yep. to come in and like start to self-assess and start to get just way more clarity around like, oh shit, like this is, this is where it's falling down. This is where it's actually at. So I suppose like, knowing that there's going to be some clients that are like super self-aware and some that aren't, how do you sort of go about the people that maybe aren't as self-aware? Yeah. Like how, how do you tackle that? Totally. And well, you're hitting right against the stuff that I love because the pillars in Sage are self-awareness is the first one. It's that foundation. I'll give you a quick metaphor and then I'll answer your question. But um I describe sage leadership as, as a house. If you're a sage leader, you have a leadership house and the foundation of that leadership house is self-awareness. If you don't have self-awareness, you have no building that you can put on top of because there's, there's no, nothing for it to stand on. Accountability is the nails that holds that leadership house together. Without accountability, it's going to fall and it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt other people. So you have to have accountability. Growth is the walls and the roof. So in, in a leadership house, there's things that need to be adjusted and growth is all about that. It's remodeling things. And sometimes it's putting an addition, adding things to your leadership. And then it empowerments the windows and doors and the windows and doors represent the way that people can come into your leadership. They come into that door and you, you empower them as they step in. But it's also allowing people out because they're ready to go. They're ready to go do something else. And those windows allow them to see what's possible. And then the windows also allow others to see what you're up to and your leadership and what you're doing in your business, they want to join it. So that's, that's the metaphor for Sage. But when it comes to self-awareness, um, there's statistics out there that say the average, it, what's the number? It's some stupid thing that doesn't make any sense, but it's basically the average number of people or what is it? How, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember how to say it, but basically, statistically it shows that if there's 50 people that think that they are self-aware they're taking a self-awareness assessment over it's like 40 of them are going to think they're actually self-aware right so statistically it doesn't make any sense that 90 percent or 80 percent of the people are going to be actually self-aware it doesn't when it comes to averages that doesn't doesn't work and so there's a research done by Tasha Yurik on it. And it turns out that only five to 10% of people are actually self-aware. So me, you, maybe, we're both really not as self-aware as we think. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's the same with every one of my clients. They're probably gonna be in that 80 
plus percent of people that aren't that self-aware. And so the work for them, the number one thing that I urge my clients to do is to journal, is to write, get your thoughts on paper. That makes you self-aware. That, that task alone, that habit alone is huge. And do you, do you happen to journal? Yeah, every day. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've been journaling since I was 16 because somebody told me to do it. And I'm like, okay. And I started doing it. I started writing about chicks and all kinds of stupid crap. But now that I'm a dad and married and all that, I write about significantly more important things. But those years of journaling have made me far more self-aware than I, I would be right now. And often, well, all we need to do is just get all those thoughts swimming around in our head and get it on paper and just get it out, put it down, whatever you're stressed about, whatever you're pissed off about get it down on paper. It's like this paper accountability partner and it's, it's relieving. It's so powerful. So there's a lot of things we can do. I have well, class says so yeah. around, around journaling. Cause I like the way that I would say it that without like a certain way of journaling or maybe um, having a coach at the same time as doing that practice is that some people could do it and kind of, like more so be solidifying some of the fixed mindset thoughts that they might have because they're, you know, yeah. they have their way of thinking. They, they sort of like, this is the way it is. And then it becomes really just ranting and like solidifying a lot of things that they think rather than maybe looking at it objectively to question some of those things and, and see it how it is rather than how they think it is. So yeah, how do you, is, is there a way that someone should journal or a way that they should think about it that could help them practice self-awareness? Yeah, great question. Because, the, you know, people can journal really however they want, but you do make a great point that you could be perpetuating crappy thinking because <laughs> you're, you're writing the thing, same things over and over and you're being negative in your writing and you don't recognize it because it's your writing and it's just what you're used to. So there's two things you can do. One would be to just start with gratitude, right? Start by writing the things that you're grateful for. And you could be grateful for my electronic pen, right? Like something as simple as that, or you could be grateful for the marriage you're in or whatever. Like the range doesn't matter. Just five things you're grateful for, write those down to get your journal started or only write that and then move on with your day. So that's one way uh, or one part. What I recommend to overcome that danger of, sinking into a bad habit in your writing or, or perpetuating improper thinking or bad thinking for yourself is five questions. And they're very simple because they sound very similar. And I, it's, I call it a mullo. It's in my book and I describe it in detail. But basically you're asking, what should I do more of? What should I do less of? What should I keep doing? What should I start doing? And what should I stop doing? You're asking yourself those five questions and that can be your journal. This is something I do every single Saturday. But the key, if you just ask yourself, what should I do more of? That's overwhelming, right? You get lost in, I, I don't know, I should do more eating of this. I should do more of this with my clients or whatever. It get, becomes overwhelming. So what you do is you pick a topic and you pick a nuanced topic of what should I do more of as I'm interacting with this particular employer? What should I do more of as it relates to my marketing, right? Your topic is marketing. And then you apply the five questions to that and you journal about it. 
And if it's a really personal thing, then you're going to journal about the thing that's much more personal, a friendship, right? A friendship's not going well. And so you journal about the friendship, my friendship with, with Joe. And then you put down the, the things that you want to do more of with that person, so on and so forth. So those two things will help direct your journaling very simply. It's not some complicated thing. You don't have to go buy a journal that, that has this built in. It's just five simple questions and being grateful. And I have dudes in my life that I mentored. Gosh, how long ago was this now? 2005, so 17 years ago. That part of what was required of them was to write the five things down that they're grateful for every day. About six months ago, I was talking to one of those guys and he said that he still does that and it's, cha it's changed his life. He was drug addicted, awful dude, like awful dude. <laughs> now he's not an awful dude and he's not drug addicted, but that one habit stuck with him and it's made a huge difference for him and it's helped him get his thinking right. So that one and the Molo, I think are, are, are a great starting point for the journaling thing and to not go down the wrong path with your thinking. I, I like that a lot. I think that, that that's very practical. Um, and, and for yourself, Kyle, like with your business now, what's the impact you want to have in 15, 20 years time through what you're doing now? Yeah. So I've launched my book, Sage Leadership, and that book's all about people first leadership. And I've created all kinds of content around it, uh, mastermind course, and eventually I'll have a membership associated with it. I was asked a similar question on a call uh, just before this. And I told him in a week after someone starts reading the book, what I want them to, to know is, or to experience is this whole mindset and habit thing. It's not overwhelming. You're just taking a couple on at a time. You're, you're doing those things and it will make shifts that matter. It will make shifts that make a huge difference because the vision I have for my business and for every single person I work with is that they can shift their mindsets and habits so they can become the leaders they're meant to be. Because there's millions of leaders out there that aren't who they're supposed to be in their leadership because their mindsets and habits are out of whack. And is that their fault? Yes, they have control over that, it's their fault. Can it be fixed? Yes, 100%. Who's gonna fix it? Them. But they need some sort of a path, need some sort of a way to do it, and they need the accountability. So in 15 years from now, there's going to be amazing infrastructure in place for people that want to become sage leaders, that want to have their mindsets and habits in the place, in the right place, because they want to be the amazing leader they're supposed to be. But they need that support and they need that, that accountability. And so the accountability, the systems, the framework will, is in place now, but it'll be even more solidified so that we've got this army of people that are leading like they're supposed to and empowering the people around them. And what that's going to do, I have no freaking clue, but it's going to make businesses better. They're going to produce better products, better services. And that's going to change the, th the lives of millions of people ultimately, because it's a multiplication effect, right? Leaders are business owners are changing this world more than anybody else. And so if you get that business owner to the highest level, they can be as a leader, they're going to impact the world in a phenomenal ways. And I'm excited to be a part of helping that happen for thousands of people. That's really cool, man. I like that a lot. I think it's, um, again, a really good example out of this. I mean, we ask this question every single episode and every single person's got their, you know, pebble in the pond that starts that right. ripple effect. And I think um, the brand that you're starting is um, 
a really cool rock that you're throwing into the pool that can have really big impacts. Thank you very much for sharing. Now, if anyone's watching this and they want to get in contact with you or get access to the book, um, maybe maybe say the name of the book so they could find it on Amazon. We will leave the link in the show notes, but um, just so people can find it. And then if they'd like to contact you directly, how could they do that? Yeah. So the book is called Sage Leadership, a four-part framework for becoming a people-first leader. And you can find me at sagemindset.com. That's the best way to find me, schedule a time to have a chat. Uh, I'm all over social as well. Just look up Sage, Sage Mindset. But also you can get the book at sagemindset.com slash book. So either way, go to sagemindset.com. You'll find me there. And that's the best way. I, I love conversations. I love just chatting with somebody. I'm not going to pitch you unless it seems like we should start working together. I'm not going to pitch you. We're talking, figuring stuff out and getting to know each other. But I, I love that. So sagemindset.com. That's awesome, man. Thank you again for coming on. Um, and hopefully someone gets in touch and congratulations on the book launch. Yeah, man. Exciting. Thank you so much for having me on.